coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, another opportunity to debate which of the Breath of the Wild champions is the best. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including the surprise announcement of Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. And then on Thursday, we're going to be musoizing other Nintendo franchises. Uh, but Mark, in the meantime, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's laundry day um, at my place, oh, which, means, day. which means our apartment has like that, um, that smell that we all associate with freshness even though i don't know that that's actually accurate mountain yeah, sure. spring i think is what our um detergent is scented as um that that's interesting and uh, i i usually uh, associate it with um the smell of dryer sheets mm, like that's mm-hmm. when i smell a dryer sheet i'm like ah now we're clean um but yeah it's it's funny it's just like um like how mint is in toothpaste and it's like mint doesn't mean that like your mouth is any cleaner like, <laughs> and also the the like like stinging sensation of that like toothpaste gives you um it just provides the illusion of cleanliness that's not that sensation isn't your mouth being clean that's not what that is our whole life is a placebo and i'm fine with it um oh but there are also uh bad placebo effects like this whole recycling thing do you see this about the like only 10 percent of all plastics that have been produced through the lifetime of uh, producing plastics have been able to be recycled and it's like uh, environmentally not even like uh, worth it to do the recycling of plastics. And it's this huge thing that the plastics company were, have been covering up for 40 years. Huh. Check it out. It's an NPR <laughs> story. It's, 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 it's another like doom and gloom like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, the world is on fire. <laughs> Keep recycling everything else. Uh, keep recycling uh, milk containers and soda bottles. Uh, but like any other plastic, it's basically like unrecyclable and like can't actually be done. Huh. So cut down on your single-use plastics. Mark, speaking of things that you should cut down on, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, would you like to borrow it? Uh, you can if you write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Uh, and uh, give us a mailing address where I can, you know, put a stamp on an envelope and mail it to you. Uh, it's with you for as long as you want. You send it back. It costs you nothing. It's a good program, right, Mark? It is the perfect program. Um, much better than plastics recycling programs. <laughs> uh, uh, we're also, look, it is Mario's 35th anniversary. We are celebrating it uh, all the month of October with a full month of Mario-themed programming, at the end of which we are going to be talking about our favorite Mario memories. Um, So I've got some Mario memories locked and loaded. Mark's got some Mario memories locked and loaded. But we want to supplement all of those with your memories. So thank you to everyone who has submitted already. Thank you also Daniel, Jay Hughes, and Matthew for submitting since the last time we uh, called for uh, more memories. Um, But if you would like to get your memories involved in this episode, please write to us by... October 27th at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Uh, and just tell, you know, it doesn't, uh, Mark, what, 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 what kind of things are we looking for here? What, what do we want people to send us? Look, 
it, this may be a recurring theme with our show, but just like the Sonic Forces borrowing program, your Mario memory can be anything. They're, we're not putting any rules on it. Um, you could send us a memory of playing with your siblings. You could send us a time that Mario made you cry. You could send us a haiku that you've written about Mario. I'll take all of it. Yeah, we'll we'll take all comers. I, I know that so far at least one person has warned us that they've sent us more of a Mario nightmare than a Mario <laughs> memory. So like bring it on. Like let's all all forms of memories are fair play. Um Mark, before we get into the rest of the show here, we also have an email from Dustin that I would like to read. Um and it is titled You Predicted the Game and Watch. How? Mark, are you ready for this? I uh just did the sign of the cross, so I am prepared. <laughs> Uh, the email reads, hey, Patrick and Mark, COVID has made my life super hectic, so I have not been able to reliably listen to the podcast, but I am playing catch up. Thank you again for making this podcast. It's truly something I can always go to when I need an escape and for a while just think about happy, happy stuff. Dustin, us too. So <laughs> th- th- thank you for saying it. It's also a, a good uh, escape for us. Uh, he goes on to say, I am wrapping up the podcast where you go over the switch reveal and towards the end, you were talking about what the next thing the next nintendo hardware will be <clears throat> you said you didn't know if it would be quote a fat switch unquote or maybe quote a game and watch after last week's announcement of a new game and watch i just had to write in can you believe that mark i have no i'm a, i'm guessing you were probably like the genius that came up with that cuz i have no memory of it happening so unless i was like acting as a medium and channeling, you know, the spirits from beyond who knew the Game & Watch was coming, it definitely didn't come out of my mouth. So it did come out of my mouth. I did not, I do not remember saying it. I went back and listened to the end of the episode. (laughs) uh, And it is just me, like, I'm clearly, look, it's at the end of uh, over an hour of you and I talking about this presentation. I just spilled my guts about my 2017 and like my relationship with my friend. It's a good episode. I recommend everyone go back and listen to it again. Um, everyone go back and listen to it again. Um, but yeah, I'm in like a fugue state at that point. And I'm just uh, reciting what Nintendo's next four years are going to be like. It's remarkable. Thank you, Dustin, for writing in. Uh, I'm glad that we can be uh, a source of light in a dark world. Um, All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing. So, uh, you know, this is not, uh, it seems as though this is a common thing. I am playing Hyrule Warriors right now. Um, Obviously, we're going to get to the news of the new Hyrule Warriors when we get into the news. Um, But just seeing the announcement video made me go, you know what? I didn't give that game a fair shake uh, when it first came out. Uh, I have a copy of it on the Wii U. Mark, do you remember um, when I got this game? I feel like you were with me when I got it or like with me when we were playing the the very first like couple missions of it. Yes, I also have a memory of going to GameStop to get it. Yes. And oh then, uh, yeah, playing it for a little bit at your place. Um, but yeah, we uh, when I was there, we certainly didn't get very far into it. No, and I mean, one of the uh, like sort of like lasting impressions that I had from uh, that first play session, uh, this is on the Wii U, is we tried to do the, the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, you know, one person is playing on the gamepad, and so like their display is the gamepad, and the other person is just playing on the TV. Um, and the frame rate takes an absolute dive when you do that. Um, it is borderline unplayable. Um, so uh, 
yeah, it, it, needless to say, like, it wasn't the experience I wanted at that time. I sort of wanted, like, a co-op hack-and-slash adventure, which it just could not really do. Um, in playing it now, I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, it is, um, it requires more thought than I was expecting it to. Um, and, like, it's, the games, so Hyrule Warriors, obviously, is the Dynasty Warriors-esque uh, game set in the Zelda universe, which basically means that you are uh, playing as a Zelda character and are just beset with waves upon waves of enemies in like a huge open battlefield. And um, that is sort of how I've always thought of the Dynasty Warriors games of like, it's just wave after wave of enemies and it never stops. Um, but because that is sort of like the baseline, the strategy of the game or the actual gameplay of the game is choosing your targets, choosing where to go, choosing where to focus um, your efforts. Uh, and then, uh, you know, doing actual like tactical combat once you get into those situations and have to fight like the you know uh, outpost bosses or whatever um so like having to actually like engage my brain and like play the game on the game's terms uh to i guess no one's surprise makes it a much better game than just trying to like hack and slash your way through it um so i'm i'm really enjoying it uh it's uh you know still got these sort of like limitations where i never want to play more than like one or two missions at a time um, but those missions can be as long as like an hour, so it's fine. You know that that's that that's a good healthy chunk of time. Um, I I'm also I'm still playing it on on the Wii U, uh, and everything I read about um, Hyrule Warriors, the original, um, now is about people playing the Switch version, obviously, mm -hmm. which is you know clearly sold way more than it did on on the Wii U. Um, that uh, that there is just so much extra content in that definitive edition, uh, and so I'm a little bit envious of that um the uh the version that's on switch starts you off with like a dozen characters i think i started with like four wow <laughs> so uh you know it's uh it, i like i and i'm not gonna like play the game twice i'm not gonna like play through it i'm definitely not gonna pay for dlc on a wii u game at this point in my life um <laughs> but, so much know, disdain <laughs> <laughs> a machine that i love and keep playing for whatever reason actually you know i uh I had in my hand uh, my copies of, um, you know, the original Hyrule Warriors of Super Mario 3D World and of Pikmin 3 on the Wii U. And I was like, I live in the future because I have a Wii U. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's most of what I've, I've been playing this week is Hyrule Warriors. And I've been, I've been enjoying it. It's got me excited for the new one. Yeah, apparently, anecdotally, Hyrule Warriors definitive edition on switch might be difficult to find digitally or at least maybe it's a little scarce in california right now friend of the physically show physically or yeah physically physically did yeah. i say digitally friend of the he show did, yeah. june uh was looking to pick up a copy in like the the only store that had one was like in canoga park or something like that which Ooh. for non-la people is a long drive to go pick up uh hyrule warriors uh yeah and well and, and, you know i was actually doing the same thing uh on like um you know, Amazon or like BestBuy.com and, and was also seeing that it was uh, not like it was, it's all like used copies. Like I think it's uh, effectively out of print uh, at this point. Um, and, you know, they're just trying, trying to slide this other one in there. But, you know, there's always the, uh, the digital um, option um, or, uh, the, you know, just have a Wii U and have been plugged into <laughs> that the whole time. <laughs> but don't buy shelf. the DLC. Um, no, I refuse. <laughs> I, I finished up my playthrough of Donkey Kong Country on the SNES Switch Online. 
Um, that was just fun to like kick back and play through that. I've also been continuing to fall asleep to the dulcet tones of speedrunning. Um, uh, last week I was watching Etiquette speedrun of Pokemon Shield, and this week I've been watching Gymnast eighty sixes speedrun of Skyward of oh no, it's not Skyward Sword. Uh, Twilight Princess from oh. GDQ. Um, that's exciting. How long does a Twilight Princess Skyrun take? Sorry. Oh boy, speedrun of <laughs> Twilight Princess. It's, Not a Skyrun, but a speedrun. <laughs> it's about three and a half hours. That seems um, so the fast. <laughs> There's a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool to watch. The second half of it, which I'm just getting into, is a little bit more exciting than the first. And that's just kind of like the way that game is, like having to get through the Twilight Realm. Um, yeah. It's not bad, but it's not like the most interesting part of that game for sure. Um, what uh, are they playing it on? Which version of it is it? It is the Wii U remake. So, oh, sorry. Oh, okay, yeah. Great. So this is also the, this is the like HD version. Um, yeah. not the version that was on Switch or GameCube. Yeah. Or, oh, sorry, uh, Wii or GameCube. Wii or GameCube. Not on the Switch yet. <laughs> <laughs> Someday. Look, we've got a Zelda 35th anniversary uh, coming next year. So, you know, I'm going to say, uh, using the past to predict the future, um, I'm going to tap into that same uh, me predicting the Game & Watch energy and say that we're going to get a collection of Zelda games. Man, you're so right. It's so crazy that if you owned a Wii U, like, you're switching. You're like, living in the future, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, makes me a little bit uh, deflated for the rest of uh, Nintendo's uh, release schedule for this year. But what are you going to do? Um, all right. Uh, that's what we've been playing um, this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So tomorrow, September 16th, um, Hades is released on the Switch eShop. This is the game that we saw at the Indie World Showcase most recently, right? Yes, that's the Supergiant game. Um, that's the developers of Bastion and the other one that's like Bastion Transistor. Um, and uh, yeah, we, it's uh, been on uh, early access on PC for uh, a while. Um, and it seems like a, a, a cool game. Uh, we did get some kind of uh, disappointing news about it that um, the cross-save functionality that they were touting um, in the uh, Indie World Showcase uh, will not be coming at launch, um, so that you know, they're, they're having sort of a hard time making that technology work, and it will come later, um, but you know, just heads up if you were hoping to uh, download this on your Switch and pick up your progress from the beta, um, that will not be an option to you right away. And then on Friday, um, WWE 2K Battlegrounds is released. Uh, this is a game that we saw in the first partner showcase, I believe. And then also Super Mario 3D All-Stars is released on Friday. And I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Um, I have a, uh, I'm, I'm picking up a physical copy at the Best Buy down the street from me. Normally, I would ride my bike down to the Best Buy and pick it up, but I feel like, uh, outdoor exercise activity is still going to be discouraged uh yeah by mm -hmm. a, a week from now um so i don't know i have to drive my car i don't like that either <laughs> <laughs> what what is your plan for this i know you also um pre-ordered i did pre-order it i pre-ordered it from best buy but it's supposed to be delivered on friday mm, okay that's that's good should i have done that i probably should have done that uh, you had no way to know 
I guess that's true. I was not predicting fires at that point. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, my powers are wasted on things like <laughs> like a game and watch. I can't predict when uh, a you're a first generation X Men. Yes, that's right. I need someone to take me under their wing and uh, you know teach me the ways of uh, telepathy. So you know we'll get there someday. Okay, uh, let's close out the new releases. Now it is time for a regular segment on this show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, maybe we're doing a little bit... Uh, uh, you know, this is a very narrow focus, I feel like, uh, for this one, but we are going to be talking about our favorite Ben Folds or Ben Folds 5 record. Um, uh, just uh, generally, how, how would you say, like, is, is Ben Folds a, uh, a, a big presence in your uh, musical intake or like how, how do you how do you view uh, Ben Folds and Ben Folds 5? Yeah, I remember I uh, like when my sister went to college. That was like one of the cool things that she like brought back was like, hey, there's this group called Ben Folds Five, and so high like high school, I was really into them, um, and it's definitely their albums and like Ben Folds like uh, solo albums are ones that I return to, but you know I it's totally one of those things where I like I don't really like the new ones as much as the old ones, and uh, I'm sure a lot of that is just like muscle memory. What, familiarity what do, the, what do you think is the newest ben folds uh or ben folds five record that like you love um if you can even <laughs> remember because like i think for me the last one that like i loved 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 was uh songs for silverman um i think that's Ben's yeah. second uh, uh so solo release um but i also really liked when the band reformed again for um the uh life of the what's it called <laughs> I can't remember the the, the name. sound of uh, the life of the mind. Sound of the life of the mind. That's right. I like that record. See, I, I yeah, I, I don't particularly care for that record. They they had like a single that came out called like House or something that um mm. I really like, but the album itself not uh crazy about. I I think for me like I liked the one that he did with Nick Hornby, where like Hornby wrote the yeah, lyrics. Lonely I think Avenue. and he yeah, like I like that one, but I agree with you. I, th- I think the last one I like loved was like Songs for Silverman. Um, so I, it's, I, I like that we are like diverting a, a little bit from the path of just Ben Folds and Ben Folds 5, because you brought up that Nick Hornby record. <laughs> um, I think my favorite, and I just listened to it again recently. Um, and I still think it's great. I love that William Shatner record that he produced, um, has been, are you familiar with has been? I'm familiar with it. I've never really listened to it. It's incredible. <laughs> the uh, the music in it is really good, and Shatner's performance of all the songs is uh, like um, sometimes very like sweet and sincere, and sometimes very funny. Um, so I like that one a lot. It would be you know not correct for me to say that it is my favorite uh, Ben Folds or Ben Folds Five record. I do like those. I do like when uh, those sort of collaborations happen. Like, do you remember when Jack White um, produced that Loretta Lynn album? Yeah. And it, like that was another one where it's like I I feel like the I I don't know if they're necessarily like if William Shatner is necessarily an influence on Ben Folds, but you can tell that there's a certain amount of like uh, obviously yeah, they're like fans, yeah, yeah, exactly, and it brings out like good work in both of them. 
Uh, ben Folds is a fan uh, of William Shatner. He's talked about like liking Shatner's like original records, um, and uh, yeah, and like he's he's on that. Do you, do you know the Fear of Pop record? No. Uh, that so it's it's a record that Ben did by himself. Um, well, uh, Ben Folds five was still together, which is like an experimental thing. Uh, and there is a song on there that he does with Shatner called, I'm not gonna remember the name of the song, but it's, it's also, uh, like good and gross and like his, both their performances are, are, are really, really great. Mark, we got to get to what our favorite of these records is. Um, I feel like the easy answer is whatever and ever amen. Oh yeah. That that's, I, I do like whatever and ever amen. Um, going Back to it, uh, I like it less. Um, sure, I, I think some it's of a, that like it puerile. Like I think it's kind of mean. <laughs> I think yeah, it's kind yeah. of a mean record. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of like uh, um, Summer Bee from Benfold from like their uh, self titled album. Self-titled, I yeah. really like that. Um, but I think my favorite overall is the unauthorized biography of Reinhold Messner, and that was one that, like in high school candidate. I listened yeah. to all the time. In high school. I really like that one. Yeah, there is something about the texture of uh, Narcolepsy, the opening track, where it's like, is this rock and roll? Is it a show tune? Like, what is this? Um, that I loved just to be. Uh, and I guess we won't know um, what my favorite is. <laughs> Wait, but now I'm dying to know. What is your favorite? Uh, here's the thing. Uh, ben Folds was such a big uh, like influence on me in college. Um, and, you know, I put out a record of uh, songs that sound exactly like their Ben Fold songs. Um, so I legitimately couldn't tell you. I love it all. <laughs> <laughs> we were accompanied today by Jim Carrey, Judd Apatow, Spike Jones, and Chris Smith. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Out of nowhere last week, um, Nintendo dropped a video announcing Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I uh, there yep. were like zero rumors about anything like this, so it was a true surprise. Um, this is a it's a Muso game uh, developed by Koei Tecmo's Omega Force, who also developed, I believe, the first High Rule Warriors. Um, I mean, they they are the the Warriors. Uh, gotcha, studio. gotcha. Yeah. So they've okay. they've done them all. So I guess like it is t- both technically a sequel to High Rule Warriors, but more importantly is a prequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild um, set in the time of Calam- like uh, the war for Hyrule when Calamity Ganon is taking over Hyrule, which, oh, this is just such a good idea. <laughs> what a great setting. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is a prequel to Breath of the Wild, but I feel like it is a prequel in setting and characters probably only, right? Like it's not going to... I mean, who knows? We, we've only seen like little uh, snippets of this. This is a Warriors game, a Musou game before it is um, a, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild game. Uh, the gameplay is going to be, you know, they, they make a point to call out. It's going to be that like one versus 1000 gameplay. Um, so like maybe uh, just like calibrate your expectations appropriately. This isn't going to be another Breath of the Wild. It is going to be another Hyrule Warriors. Right. But I guess like the part that's like makes so much sense to me and is really exciting is that by setting it a hundred years before breath of the wild so setting it during you know the age of calamity ganon and um setting it for in that like big war for hyrule it makes 
like so much sense for it to be a Musou game. Totally. Um, and like uh, I was watching some analysis videos from like Game Explain and stuff, and they're showing like side by side, like okay, this is this screenshot, or like this is this area in Breath of the Wild, and this is what it looks like in uh, the Age of Calamity, and like it looks, it's obviously like extremely close like it was obviously a, a very mm-hmm. close collaboration with nintendo yeah which is something that uh yusuke hayashi of uh koi tecmo um points out in this video that uh let me see if i can find this quote uh that unlike the original hyrule warriors age of calamity was quote developed working closely with nintendo at every step of the process including gameplay direction graphics world and all dialogue um so like well this is definitely a uh, an Omega Force game. It is also sort of a Nintendo game, like even more so than Hyrule Warriors is. Um, and I, I think the it'll be really interesting to see like what what exactly all of this game is and and to really experience it. Because um, like the original Hyrule Hyrule Warriors um, takes uh, uh, takes storylines from three different like Zelda timelines um, and uh, you know sort of does like a universe hopping um like it's a grab bag it's a it's it's doing everything it can to just be like hey this Zelda stuff is neat this Zelda stuff is neat um and uh you know so it it is just like a a celebration of all things Zelda um and it it feels I want to say like sloppy in its exuberance but like it's so exuberant you know like it's so excited to show this stuff to you um whereas this uh appears to be uh, more measured, more focused. It is just the Breath of the Wild um, universe. It is just the way these characters look and these environments look. Um, and, you know, we see things like um, the stasis power being used in battle. We see, um, like, Urbosa doing that. What is, what is it called when you do, like, that perfectly timed dodge? Um, I can't remember. In Breath of the Wild. Yeah. yeah. But she, she, she does it uh, in that. Um, and so, I don't know. It, it seems like they are... Um, taking all of the right cues and all the right influences from the original game uh, and melding that with the the Musou uh, formula. Yeah, you're right. It will be really interesting to see what that balance is like. You know, one of the things that I think um, everybody has kind of wanted is the opportunity to play as the champions. And in Breath of the Wild, like um, even with the DLC, you are always playing as Link. And even in the little gameplay video that we saw um, of Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, you are going to be able to play as the four champions, which is really exciting. Plus, they've told us you'll be able to play as Zelda. Plus, of course, you'll be able to play as Link um, and potentially more than that. But even just those six is like a really exciting starting point for me. Yeah, I think there've got to be more than just those six. One of the um, things that uh, Hayashi says about like maintaining um the uh sort of like warrior's identity is that there will be a wide quote a wide variety of playable characters um and i don't think six uh you know cut cuts that um you know like i said the definitive edition of hyrule warriors starts you with a dozen characters so you know it it, there have to be other and probably like invented for uh this game uh, but also probably like the king of hyrule's got to be in the in there mixing it up somewhere is there like an impa like a young version of that impa character that we meet who's like a you know grizzled old Mm -hmm. woman um at the time of breath of the wild um you know it it seems like there are a lot of opportunities for uh references to characters from breath of the wild and also just like you know new characters man like pile them on let's let's do it it will be really interesting to see like you were saying with the other hyrule warriors 
it was such a celebration of like all things mm. Zelda where anything was fair game. Um, this seems like it should be something where it's much more like can't contained in the world of Breath of the Wild, but it's also set a hundred years before Breath of the Wild. So, you know, like what that means and yeah. what, what that gives them the ability to introduce will be kind of like interesting and fun to see. Um, we don't have to wait that long to find out. First, we're going to get an update on the game on September 26th, which I think is part of like, they're doing a presentation as part of uh, TGS 2020 online, the Tokyo game show, which is being held online. Um, and I, I think this is like where we're going to see like gameplay and all that kind of stuff as part of that yeah. presentation on the 26th. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then the game itself comes out uh, November 20th. Uh, yeah. So that's <laughs> so soon. That's kind of, you know, like we were talking about how um, Nintendo had left this like kind of like November, December space in their Switch lineup. And that is now like sorted. Um, doesn't mean that they don't have anything else coming, but it does make like any anticipation that I had that like a Nintendo Direct was pending. I think we'll get more partner showcases, obviously, maybe another Indie World, but as far as like big Nintendo first party announcements, they at least have filled out their schedule, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it feels like th this is it. Like uh, Mario now, or Mario next week, um, and then uh, Pikmin in October, and this in November. Um, that, that's, that, that's the end of uh, Nintendo's 2020. Um, yeah, I mean, th there's, there's always a possibility for like, you know, some, some sneak little announcement in there. Uh, but that that feels pretty complete as far as far as I'm concerned. And then, um, of course, in addition to like all of this really exciting news, everybody's curious about Breath of the Wild two. When are we going to hear is. more about Breath mm -hmm. of the Wild two? Uh, this this announcement video is introduced by Ag Numa, the producer of the entire Legend of Zelda series, and he says up at top, just like quote regarding the sequel, in order to make the vast world you enjoyed exploring in the original game even more impressive. The team is working hard on its development, so you'll have to wait a bit longer before we can provide more updates. Um, which fair play uh, on on that, because you know the the first Breath of the Wild was delayed forever. <laughs> um, but also great to get out ahead of this and be like, hey, we're gonna show you something new. What you're about to see is not the Breath of the Wild sequel that we've been talking about. That's still coming. <laughs> like it's okay. Um, and. Uh, it's what, what, what do you make of the, uh, in order to make the vast world you enjoyed exploring in the original game, even more impressive, D does that mean that we are going to be back in the same map of Hyrule? Or do you think that means just like world more vaguely? Like, yeah, like, world can mean the topography, but it could also just mean like the vibe and like, uh, you know, culture of Hyrule. Totally. Um, my hope is that, man, I don't even know. I like, yeah. the, you know, so much of the fun of Breath of the Wild was the actual like exploration and discovery of the new spaces. And so I will be v shocked. I would be very surprised if the world map is like basically what we knew before. I think, you know, f whether we're in a completely new location, whether the world has been like transformed, like I think it's going to be totally different. So you have to get your bearings all over again. Yeah, I mean, I I would think that just uh, you know that exploration is such a big part of the original, 
and will probably be you know no part of um this Hyrule Warriors game um that like the the exploration still has to feel satisfying um and that the space will need to be either radically transformed or a different space altogether also um best buy oh wait wait sorry when he says a bit longer <laughs> i'm assuming oh, yeah. that what do we, what do we i feel like i feel like in nintendo terms that could be like 18 months two years because i i i feel i feel like they had like similar terms when they talked yeah. about uh metroid prime 4 so uh i think it could mean literally anything i mean here's here's something that uh i i will predict right now and i i i believe that this uh will hold true we will not hear anything else about uh breath of the wild 2 or whatever the sequel is called, which again, uh, they they just uh, Eiji Aonuma just said the sequel, so like it, we don't have a, a name even, or you know, calling it Breath of the Wild two, whatever. Um, but the we're not going to hear anything else about it until after uh, Age of Calamity comes out. Oh, for sure, yeah, I, I, I absolutely earliest. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking more like next summer or something. By the time yeah. that like, because I have a hard time believing I could be wrong, but I have a hard time believing that like. Uh, Age of Calamity is coming November, and then, you know, like, Breath of the Wild 2 or something's happening in the first quarter of next year. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems a little bit far-fetched. Yeah, and, you know, they probably want to, like, make sure that um, that carries through, like, the holiday season and sort of the post-holiday, like, gift card spending season, and then announce the new Breath of the Wild game after that. Like, just in, in terms of business, like, don't do it before probably not even before uh mario 3d world comes out like, yeah for sure like i i yeah. really think it's gonna be a long time till we hear yeah. anything more about the sequel um best buy also appears to have a fresh stock of the breath of the wild champions amiibo four pack uh so possible that there's going to be some sort of amiibo functionality in age of calamity that they just haven't talked about yet yeah, I, I expect that we will find out more about that in uh, on on the twenty sixth um, when when we get more more info here. The original Hyrule Warriors did have um, uh, amiibo functionality, but sort of limited to like you scan an amiibo and you just like get some weapons or something. You could do it like five times a day or something like that. Um, so it's not uh, not very well integrated. I would be surprised if there was something more like special here, just because Nintendo's been moving away from uh, like meaningful uh, amiibo functionality. But it's four great looking uh, little figurines. I've had them up on my bookshelf for years, um, and th th those are some of the amiibo that I don't put away. Like a lot of my amiibo have a box that they go into and then slide under the couch, um, and that's fine. Uh, those four always stay out yeah and i mean they're great characters and i don't expect that we'll see them in the sequel so it's fun that we have an opportunity to like yeah. see more of them um do you want to take us to task a little bit patrick because uh i think last week or yes yes oh I, this is me taking myself to task really because <laughs> I, I, I believe i made this point um but that we were talking last week about how um the, in some ways the big japanese developers have sort of moved on from the Nintendo Switch. We're talking about like Capcom and Square Enix, um, who, well, you know, they have been uh, S Square in particular. Um, well, they've done things like, uh, you know, Bravely Default 2 and um, Octopath Traveler. 
that they are mostly putting their like big new stuff on the other uh, platforms, PlayStation and Xbox. Um, so we were sort of saying that like, you know, the Japanese companies have moved on from the Switch. Um, but this is just so patently not true of companies like Koei Tecmo. Um, you know, they helped with the development on uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses as well. Um, in fact, they were basically the primary developer on it while Intelligent Systems was, uh, you know, just like providing support. And then obviously they have these... Uh, other two basically Nintendo first party games in Hyrule Warriors and uh, uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity and the Fire Emblem Warriors game as well. So like uh, Koei Tecmo, obviously supporting the Switch like crazy. Also Bandai Namco um, is another one that, you know, we've shouted out a, a couple times. Um, they are like the primary team on um, uh, Super Smash Brothers and, you know, have really been doing uh, 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 you know, uh, just to say, we we spoke a little bit too hastily See, about I, big Japanese companies. I agree with you, but I don't think you should feel like I think we're still right though, because I don't know that it really counts if like Nintendo is clearly working slash funding games yeah, from Koei true. Tecmo and Bandai Namco. That like, uh, <laughs> I think our point still stands. Sure, 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 sure. But it just you know don't don't want to uh, leave leave those guys uh, high and dry. And I guess like the. Uh, um, uh, Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition that was for a long time and is still uh, a, a Switch exclusive and you know brought over to the um published by Nintendo um and not by Square um so like you know there there's obviously something there but that game is gonna come out in that form on the other platforms uh next year anyway so no. Ubisoft hosted their second Ubisoft Forward video presentation last week, and we got some info about a couple of upcoming Switch titles there. First was a pretty meaty look at uh, the game formerly known as Gods and Monsters, but now known as Immortals uh, Phoenix Rising, which is going to be released December 3rd of this year. And if you are looking for a game that's going to fill your Breath of the Wild fix, uh this possibly, looks possibly <laughs> this looks basically to be like somebody saw breath of the wild and was like us too yes yes uh and you know through through a little bit different lens of more of like a um you know greek god uh sort of um setting i i have in our notes here that it looks like kid icarus breath breath of the wild um with maybe a little god of war thrown in um, you know, they, they're touting that the whole world will be uh, open from the second you turn the, the game on. You can glide everywhere using the, the wings of Daedalus and climb anything. So sort of the, uh, you know, the locomotive promises of Breath of the Wild also being promised here. Yeah. And so, I mean, being a little snarky up front, clearly yeah. they're inspired by Breath of the Wild. The game doesn't look bad, though, and it doesn't no. look like a complete ripoff. Um, I'm not like super excited for this, but I do think it's like it is interesting for me to see like these sort of um, Breath of the Wild like games beginning yeah. to come out. I mean, and also like if we get closer to its release, which by the way is de- I maybe you said it December third, twenty twenty. As we get closer to release, if people are like, "Hey, they pulled it off. It's really good." Um, you know, I'll, this is one I I will legitimately check out. And then also we learned that Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the completed the game complete edition, is coming to Switch. Uh, this was a game that was originally released ten years ago, I guess. Um, yeah, w- around the time that the movie was released, 
and it hasn't been available for at least six years because that's when it was delisted on the PlayStation 3 store. It's a game that people have uh, like talked about, have wanted to come back, and it is making a return this holiday season. It's going to be for 15 bucks. Um, includes both the Knives Chow and Well as Wells DLC packs uh, and this local is, and is... online co-op. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something I'm very excited about. Uh, I, I really like this game. Uh, when it originally came out, the um, soundtrack by Anamanaguchi is on like regular rotation for me, especially while like doing work. It is such good, like knuckling down and just like focusing um, to like some uh, you know real eight uh, bit bops. Um, and yes, yeah, so this uh, you know not really being advertised as part of like the product, but like deep in the fine print that it supports local and online co op, which is a revolution because the game is like a river city ransom type right um it's a, a side-scrolling like beat-em-up multiplayer game uh feels very much like a cool arcade uh thing that you would play you know like uh the simpsons or ninja turtles or whatever x-men um and then uh you, you couldn't you couldn't play it online so like you just had to like you know couch co-op which i'm uh, in favor of and a, a vocal supporter of uh but also like Man, it'd be fun to play a game like that uh, on online, uh, and so I'm I'm thrilled that it it that that is part of this package. And then the other thing that came out of Ubisoft Forward was a Prince of Persia: Sands of Time remake uh, that was announced for Xbox, PlayStation, and uh, PC with a release date of January twenty first, twenty twenty one. And while in the trailer there was no mention of a Switch release. The official website has multiple mentions of a Switch version, and I think some stores w- were taking online pre-orders for a Switch version. That So the online commentary is that the game is coming to Switch, but not in January. It's like one of those that'll be coming in like March or later. Um, so consider this like a rumor for now, because it hasn't been officially announced, but it seems like a Switch version of this is probably in the cards. Uh, yeah, but we, we don't have any idea when. It's basically a, a Doom Eternal uh, kind of yes. situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> except except Bethesda has said that that will happen. So <laughs> right, yeah. No evidence that, that it actually will. Um, yeah, what, what, do you have a, uh, a connection to the Prince of Persia games or this one in particular? or the? Yeah, the I, I like the first Prince of Persia Sands of Time. I haven't played it since like the GameCube days. Um, I, I, th- I think it could be fun to revisit. I know that some of the uh, impressions of the visuals of the trailer um, were not like it wasn't like super well received. But yeah, uh, I, 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 I think I think most of that criticism is uh, just in the uh, facial animation mm, and just mm-hmm. in the way that like characters are rendered. Um, everything else that I could like see watching that trailer um, or that like sort of presentation about it. Uh, looked fine, looked good, uh, even. It's just, like, there's some really wonky faces in there. Um, and, like, you know, just the standard for what people want to see on, like, a PlayStation 4 and Xbox is so high in that regard. Um, you know, especially if you're touting, like, a cinematic, you know, whatever experience um, that that's just not quite living up to that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, w- I would be interested in, in checking this one out when it comes out. If it comes out <laughs> on Switch. <laughs> Uh, no More Heroes 3 has been officially delayed from 2020 to 2021. Um, Grasshopper Manufacturer posted a statement from Suda51. In the statement, they basically say, no surprise, that the development has been really difficult, um, especially with COVID-19. 
So the game, yeah, not making it this year. Before, it had just been announced for 2020, but otherwise, we hadn't really heard anything. So yeah. maybe not the biggest surprise. To me, I get, it does leave open the question of like, hey, has anybody checked on Bravely Default 2 recently? Because that's all supposed to be making 2020, and that feels unlikely. Yeah, I mean, they, they had that demo event where they were uh, soliciting feedback and then have been super quiet about it since then. Um, wouldn't surprise me if uh, it, it gets bumped to 2021. Um, you know, I, I would think, well, no, I, I don't know. It's, uh, the, the end of the year here is, is so tricky after having been, uh, the, the whole industry has just been stymied by, uh, COVID-19 and, and all of that. There's just so many back, backups, back, back up, backs up <laughs> in the pipeline here, uh, that, uh, you know, it's, it's not surprising to see anything slip. But also we know that like a partner showcase, partner showcases are still going to be happening. So maybe, uh, Bravely Default 2 is making it sometime this year. Um, a couple of interesting tidbits from Bloomberg reports this week. Uh, Nintendo has reportedly increased production of the Switch to 30 million units for this fiscal year. Um, we, earlier, they had already increased the production to 25 million. So it seems like demand has still not been like satiated and they're planning on at least selling 5 million more. That, could you, like 30, even 25 million but like 30 million in a single year for the switch is just kind is like kind of bonkers when you consider i think that that would be like the Wii U and GameCube combined like total sales combined in like a single year yeah it's tough uh, i mean it's uh the animal crossing put such a demand uh on the switch this year and you know switches have uh, not always but usually are hard to come by um, and, you know, just like anecdotally now, uh, you know, I've, I've known friends who are looking for them either for themselves or for kids or whatever, um, and are frustrated with the fact that, uh, if you want to buy one right now, you're probably going to be buying it on the secondhand market. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, they, they'll sell however many switches they can make this year. So, um, s smart to do whatever it takes to, uh, get up to that 30 million. Especially with like these rumors of more powerful like hardware coming sometime next year, and then you know we've talked about that maybe like oh, two weeks ago. But some kind of corroboration of that story is that uh, Bloomberg reported that third-party developers uh, have told them that Nintendo has asked them to make their games 4K ready, and of course, right now there's no reason that that would be the case because. No right. version of Nintendo hardware currently supports 4K output, but potentially this new Switch could. Um, and th that's also uh, like an interesting uh, like little turning point in my head where um, because Bloomberg is reporting it, um, that it feels more like, oh, wait, uh, the, this thing that we've been kind of rolling around in our heads is a rumor of a Switch revision is sort of moving into like, oh, yeah, there is a Switch revision on the way. Um, you know, I, I, I try to be, I try to damper my expectations, uh, when rumors come into play. Um, but hearing this, uh, from Bloomberg is a little bit more like, oh, uh, you know, the, the non-video game press is talking about it. And I know it's, uh, Jason Schreier works there, right? So like, you know, it's the, uh, the Kotaku DNA, uh, coming out in that, but, um, still feels, feels real. Yeah. I feel the same way. Um, this one is personally exciting to me because I remember 
some of the fun things that used to be available from Club Nintendo. But uh, my Nintendo in North America finally has some physical rewards. You can get a uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition phone ring holder um, for 500 platinum points, a Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition sticker sheets, uh, three sticker sheets for 300 platinum points, or then a Splatoon 2 postcard set for 400 platinum points. Which is all cool. Um, you do still have to pay for shipping. So, like, you go to the Nintendo store or the My Nintendo store or whatever it is, um, and, uh, you know, after you've redeemed these rewards through My Nintendo, then you get a code so you can get these things for free. Um, but, yeah, then there is still... Um, you still got to pay for shipping. <laughs> so yeah. I, I I was uh, about to... Or I redeemed the points so I could get the three uh, sheets of stickers from Xenoblade Chronicles because I was like, I've got the points. Let's do it. Uh, and then got to check out and it was like, $5, please. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I wouldn't buy these for $5. Now I've just wasted 300 points. So make sure that you are interested in paying for the shipping before you spend your uh, points on these rewards. So I'm... Uh, I was interested in the Splatoon 2 postcard set. Uh, I don't really have any use for it, but I think I'm just excited for like any like uh, Nintendo ephemera that I can spend platinum points on. But yeah. there is an FAQ on the site that says, quote, a variety of new exclusive physical and digital items featuring Nintendo games and characters will be made available to my Nintendo members in the future. So, mm-hmm. one, has this always been there? Possibly. But what I'm wondering no is, sh- is, should I send my, should I be saving my platinum points, my platinum coins for like something that I might act like that I actually like actively mm. want in the future? Because I know platinum points expire every six months, every year or something. Yeah, they um, expire on a timeline that we don't totally uh, un- understand, but they're easy enough to refill, right? The platinum points are never based on purchases. They're always based on like, uh, you participating in like things on the website or um, in game, right? Like you can get platinum points from doing stuff in like Super Mario Run or Mario Kart Tour. Um, so like, if you want to go about farming um, platinum points, you can do it. Yeah, I guess I feel a little bit like the uh, like like a kid at a family fun center where I'm like, ooh, like I wish I had a thousand tickets, but I only have like six hundred, and there's no way for me to get like four hundred more right now. So yeah, I don't know. Really, I don't know what to do. Somebody tell me what to do. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you really... I mean, what you want to do is you want to save up so you can get the fake glasses with the, nose <laughs> the mustache. Uh, Nintendo announced a couple of weeks ago that the Switch would be officially releasing in Brazil soon. We now know exactly how soon soon is. Um, it will be releasing September 18th in Brazil, which is the first time that the Switch will be like officially available there. Um, Mark, I'm, uh, I see that we don't have this information in the run of show. Do we know uh, what the price is going to be for the Switch in Brazil? So it is going to cost 2,999 Brazilian, Brazilian real, which is approximately 565 US dollars. So quite a bit more expensive yeah, than not, for what it retails for here. Not cheap. And then finally, Mario's 35th anniversary has seen Nintendo team up with like a number of outside companies um, for collaborations. And the latest appears to be Mattel, who will be offering Mario-themed storytelling fashion packs for Barbie. 
uh, listings for these have popped up online. It looks like it's going to feature like clothing and accessories, a graphic tee, some skirts, uh, and some really cool like 8-bit Mario like accessories, like hats and bags and all that kind of stuff. The kind of stuff that you would see at like Uniqlo, but uh, for a Barbie. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love, uh, I mean, who, who came up with the phrase storytelling fashion pack? That's great. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Um, Mark, we are, we are recording this on Saturday a little bit earlier than usual. Um, so what, what, uh, what pieces of news do you think we're missing between now and, and Tuesday when this episode Oh goes? man. I mean, we've definitely had a penchant recently for like either <laughs> being preempted by other news or, um, uh, re- like releasing an episode and then big news hits. So I don't know, maybe we're in for another partner showcase. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say nothing, a quiet couple days. <laughs> Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you like this episode. Share it wherever you share stuff, Facebook or Twitter um, or the other places. Um, we appreciate it when you do that. On Twitter, I am at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Card Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying a platinum point saved is a platinum point earned. And thanks for listening. Thompson. And I'm Mark David Christensen, and together we host Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast. The show dedicated to the half-demon hero brought forth by writer-artist Mike Mignola and published by Dark Horse Comics. Each week, we discuss everything Hellboy. Plus his expanded universe with the BPRD, Abe Sapien, Lobster Johnson, and many more. That's Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.